The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by Lucky Bastard Distillers, Saskatchewan's premier distillery, and by the Pilot Bowens Brewing Company, brewed in the heart of Regina. Three Down Greencast. Wow. You are listening to the internet's most timely rider podcast. <laughs> I am Joel Gasson with John Fraser, as usual, and um, we've been off for a little bit, unintentionally. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what happens <laughs> when sinus infections come in, seem to get both of us, and then when we have yeah. a backup plan, and our, our backup plan ends up having emergency gallbladder surgery, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so to pull back the curtain a bit, for the last two weeks, basically 10 days, the last two rider games, um, I was in the city of Ottawa partaking in bachelor party and wedding activities. Yes. Uh, so that's why I did not write anything for 3 Donation until after uh, the most recent news that we will discuss. Um, so that's why I was kind of MIA there, and that's why I was also MIA on this podcast a couple of weeks ago with uh, John had Greg f- uh, from the Pivots podcast fill in for me. And then there was this whole plan about after last week's game against the Toronto Argonauts, uh, it was going to be had they lost, you would, had they won, no, it was had they lost. There was some scenario where you and Greg were going to go live. Yeah, had had they won, Greg and I were going to do the podcast, mm. uh, and then Greg ended up having his gallbladder removed <laughs> on Friday night. Yes. And then so, so but of course they lost, so the plan was okay, maybe we'll record Sunday night then. But that was my travel day back. I was feeling pretty exhausted. I forget what your excuse was anyway. And then a, a, a brutal sinus infection. Yeah. I basically started fighting the night that Greg and I did the podcast and did the live yeah. and just probably finally got my full voice back without sounding too nasally about 2 days ago. Right. So then we decided oh, maybe we'll push to like Thursday. Because initially you were going to work during the day rather than into the evening. Right. And then that kind of changed. And I was still battling a bit of a cold, which I still am to a degree, but much better now. So it was like, all right, let's just let's just keep pushing this to Sunday. The news is not going to change at this point. No. <laughs> and even if it happened to us, something miraculous would have happened or Dunk would have dropped a dunk bomb. We would have been first to react. Mm-hmm. Instead, in our typical podcast fashion, we are uh, we are well uh, we are well late to the party because you know we are n- definitely known for our breaking news abilities. It's ba- it seems like basically either when something big happens around the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, we're either literally recording that day or like three weeks later. That's true. That's true. <laughs> this one falling into the three weeks later category as we are uh, both back uh, and both finally feeling all right. And mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie with how fired up greg and i were i think um it's nice to kind of have an episode back where it's like okay we can have like normal non semi half in the bag super fired up conversations about the mm-hmm. direction this team is heading and the direction the off season is already done with already quite a bit of news and we're not even uh technically done well then i guess now we're technically done the regular season yes. so. 
Yes, now the regular season is actually officially over. Unlike how do we record this after the last Ryder game, even though their season was, quote, done, they still technically had their bye week this week. Exactly. Which is a, a fun squirt scheduling quirk. And I remember we, we got a dunk on the CFL in passing when um, they decided to have three games each in the final two weeks. It kind of worked out. There's only really one game that mattered, and <laughs> yeah, the rest didn't matter. So the the fewer the games, the better, I suppose. No, and that, that absolutely worked out uh, well for for our timing. And two, as I was affectionately referring to this, uh, this ended up like I get it. You want your regular season, your last week, to have drama and not be mm-hmm. what was basically preseason week four, which it was this week. So again, no rush to react to anything. No. Um, but we are going to react to one thing that happened again this week in the CFL. Yes, and it was so sickos. Yes, mm-hmm. ah, yes. So it is once again the conversation in the CFL. And as you know, this podcast, uh, we love dumb stuff. We love chaos. We love the, we love just kind of the weird stuff that happens in any kind of football game, like say twenty-four points punts. Sorry, between the New York Giants and New York Jets, you know, stuff <laughs> and like shank, that. And a shank field goal to come back with twenty-four seconds left. Yeah, you know, oh, and or so you know. Good. Or brotherly shove, passing touchdowns, you know, all, all that sort of stuff that's happening. You're right. Um, the Montreal Alouettes, and as much as I don't like to give uh, their head coach, Jason Moss, much credit, he did he did find a fun loophole, or at least he rediscovered a fun loophole in the CFL rulebook this year, of course. Uh, y'all have seen the play by now. It's happened a couple of times this year with a couple of different Alouettes, and they even tried it earlier in the year and it didn't work out. Yes. Um, it's, of course, with... The basically at a one yard punt for an onside recovery, not necessarily for it actually a first down, but it just resets the downs. Yes, a semantic, you essentially for a first down. Yes. Um, so naturally, of course, this has caused once again a grand discussion in CFL circles as to whether this rule should exist or not. And I don't think it should come to anyone's surprise that uh, John and I are very much in favor of this rule. Oh, I absolutely love it because it gives you that brief moment of what on earth are you doing? And then you see the quirk <laughs> of like dribble the ball forward with your foot and recover it and it's it resets the downs. Like I'm surprised that no, I'm surprised they busted it out that early. Mm-hmm. Well, the- I, I think clearly at this point because it was a meaningless game in the standings against the team they are literally playing next week in their exact same stadium. So basically you're going to do it all again for real next week. Right. Um, to me, I think Montreal busts that out in that game to get Hamilton thinking, obviously. Oh, that's not a bad point. And, yeah. and I think, too, if if you're Montreal and you're in those second and forever situations, mm-hmm. you know, you, 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 you now as a defensive back, you have to think, OK, do I close on this guy and, and hope that he's not going to do and hope that he's yeah. going to do the one yard punt and, or do I close on him and leave somebody else open? So it does. It brings a new wrinkle into it to playing defense, which mm-hmm. I'm always I mean, you and I are both mm-hmm. always here for. Yes, absolutely. And well, like, I think it often will depend on who. Like, if for some reason they're throwing a swing pass to Austin Mack, I don't think he's going to be doing that. No. <laughs> but what some other other guys, some other other guys who have time to work on that, absolutely, it gives you a th- it gives you a thought. And I know there are a lot of people who think it looks ridiculous, and it, it kind of does. But I mean, whatever. That's kind of the fun of it. Is it any more ridiculous than the brotherly shove? Not really. I mean, I used exactly. to hate, I used to hate the brotherly shove, but I've come around on it. And it was actually the onside punt that's maybe thought of it. And it was like, if this was really so easy, if this was such an easy play that we need to do something about, wouldn't literally everyone be doing it? Like well, we well, have, we well, have seen teams try to push their players around behind from behind in the NFL and fail miserably at it. Last yes. week, or was it the week before? I forget whichever week the Steelers were in a virus. I think it was last week. They tried to push Kenny Pickett forward, and he just slipped. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> so, well, I mean, that's it. It's, it's, yeah. it's, if everybody could do it, everybody mm. would be doing it, right? And so then at that point, sure, we can have a conversation about whether there should be a rule or not. Right. I I I don't want to see it go away. I wouldn't no. see. I wouldn't. I would like to see maybe a modification to it, where instead of just having to, you know go off your foot past the line of scrimmage. Maybe it has to travel at least two yards, right? Because then you'd at least, it would almost be like the beginning. Remember when the XFL used to begin games with two guys running full yeah. speed at each other for the ball? I could see a little bit of that scenario. You dribble your foot, you make it go the required two yards, and oh boy, everybody run for the football, right? Which Yeah, and I mean, there is an interesting wrinkle in the rule book that I guess uh, Andrew Buckles of Awful Announcing and the comeback and all that announced that he found this week that someone pointed out to him is that the punter is technically not allowed to impede someone recovering that. So if the defender is in the area, I'm not entirely sure how that would work out. If like oh both God. of them were like jumping in there at once, if he, the guy kicking it would actually be allowed to get in the way or not. So that opens up a whole other can of worms. So I mean, there is clearly a way to defend this, but <laughs> I think most importantly, why I'm in favor of this rule existing is when it comes down to it, we like to see drives sustained on offense. Yes. So whether it's because of this play that a drive continues or it's because defenders have to start thinking about it and in, on you know second and 20, they're not playing 19 yards off the ball, they maybe play a little closer and then you can maybe pick up more first down the quote-unquote conventional way. So, I mean, either way is good because if you get guys throwing downfield because defenders are coming in, well, that's even better. Well, and I wonder too if it's going to make teams a little reluctant to play that super soft zone they typically play at the end of games. Yeah. Right. You're not going to maybe you're not giving everybody underneath throws because let's face it, you're going to get a stoppage in the last few minutes anyways, because the way the CFL timer rules work. But mm. uh, it's dumb. It's chaotic. I, for one, am here for it. And I very vocally think they need to keep it in some capacity. And I wouldn't be surprised because Montreal's the only team we've seen do it. Mm. You know, everybody that's in the postseason and knows they've been there for a while has been working on some scenario against a certain look against their opponent that they're going to bust this out. I mean, hopefully, to some degree, at least, yeah. When I, I just, I, I hope, I want to see everybody doing it. Like, I just want to see if you're lined up in a soft zone and I'm on the line of scrimmage, I just, I want to see it happening constantly throughout this playoffs. I want to see it get really dumb as long as it leads to Winnipeg winning. But <laughs> mostly dumb first, Winnipeg winning second. Sure. I mean, that second part is neither here nor there for me, but anyway. Right. It's it's like the <laughs> fact we're, we're doing a, we're doing a costume contest at uh, work on Tuesday, naturally, it being Halloween and stuff. Mm. Uh, so I am going as a Grey Cup champion. Mm. Going to wear my Sergio jersey and wear my replica Grey Cup ring. Oh, so you're just taking the really easy way out. Uh, of course, of course. Like, because again, I, <laughs> at my line of work, I need some sort of like costume. That, like, like if I'm all done up and make it, 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 like like skull makeup, and I'm like, yeah. you know what? You should consider life insurance here. <laughs> like, I, 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 I just thought maybe you were going to consider a way to try to be bad, Zach. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know what that would look like, but. I'm sure there's an idea in there somewhere. Uh, there, there, <laughs> there might be. And now you got me thinking, yes. Now I'm going to spend half this podcast thinking of how we can make a bad Zach Calaris costume. I mean, that's that's what we're here for, right? We're that's, really here that... to get John thinking because that's that's always ends well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, I'm known for being such a deep thinker uh, in 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 public places. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, we do have some deep thoughts to share on uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the news of the week. 
I suppose it's still within this week, uh, where, of course, unsurprisingly, uh, Craig Dickinson will no longer be the head coach of this team. Shocker. And uh, a little more surprisingly, Jeremy O'Day will remain as general manager in the search, of course, for uh, the team's next head coach is officially on. Before we get to all that and a little bit more, John, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, what is in the glass this week? Now that I can drink again, um, now that the sinus infection is gone, I, I have decided it. we've gone from clear alcohol to brown alcohol season. Uh, I made myself a nice smoked uh, old-fashioned, and you don't want to know the beer that I'm also drinking. It was in the back of the fridge and shall rena- remain nameless. Hmm, that's fair. I mean, I, I know it's not Minhas, so we're good there. So. Oh, God, no. It's, a, it's, it's not Minhas, but it is a large industrial beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, out of the... I guess, well, I got it out of the Cozy Pack from Rebellion, which features the Amber, the Oatmeal Stout, um, Cat's Got the Cream, and this one, the Bunny Hug, which um, I have to say, if you had last year's batch, it was quite good. I think this year's batch is even better. Uh, it's like a hoppy German amber ale. Ooh. So it's, it's, but it's a little smoother this year. I find it's got kind of a nice velvety smoothness to it this year that, uh, that I'm quite enjoying for sure. Like you could pair it with the smell of rich mahogany while you read your many leather-bound books. Sure, something like that, yeah. No, never, no, no, I, I <laughs> go, go for something like It's funny, because originally when you said the Cozy Pack, I'm like, eh, not my jam, but the, that I think actually... there's only really one beer in there you wouldn't drink. That's fair, that being the oatmeal stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. The rest actually sound quite delightful, especially with your description of uh, the bunny hug. So uh, now I uh, now I might have to go pick uh, pick some of that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will be trying to pick up a new head coach <laughs> this year. Uh, so good. As um, as you all know by now, if you don't, I don't know how you're finding this out from us at this point, but uh, Craig Dickinson will unsurprisingly not be back as the Saskatchewan Rough Riders head coach next season. Uh, it was announced on Monday that uh, he's, his contract, unsurprisingly, will not be renewed. Yes. Um, a move generally all of us thought should have maybe been made sooner to try and salvage the season, uh, but nonetheless has been made, and uh, not surprisingly that he won't be back in that capacity. I don't know if there's much to say there. Uh, great guy. I kind of wish, we all kind of wish it worked out better for him in the role given given his general approach to life and everything. Um, I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere at some point as a, spe- as a special teams coordinator again. Yeah, he's a, he's a brilliant special teams coordinator, but the more and more the season wore on, the more and more <clears throat> the quotes coming from Craig Dickinson were almost like him saying, never hire me as a head coach again. Like the infamous bowling quote, which came out yeah. after we re-recorded. Like, I, I, at one which, point, I mean, I, almost worked. They Had they played that, the, just to rewind a little bit, that game against Toronto, had they played that way against anyone else other than Winnipeg and BC, they probably win that football game. Yeah, and they, and they, and they probably make the postseason, right? Like, yeah. So maybe it was bowling. I don't know. But it just – it very much gave me vibes, and I'm a big um, big Seinfeld guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it gave me vibes of the one episode where George is trying to get fired by the New York Yankees, and he's wearing Babe Ruth's jersey and rubbing the ribs on it and j- dragging the World Series trophy around in the parking lot and just couldn't get fired. So to me, that showed a man that had given up on this team a long, long time ago. And everybody attributed the good start against Calgary to Jeremy O'Day coming down and getting the boys fired up. And it's just, you know what? It, it, the aw shucks, nice guy, humble guy approach can work. Obviously it did for Craig's first couple seasons. Well, I mean, yeah, it was, there was the initial sort of breath of fresh air after the years of Chris Jones. Like you see right. it all the time. That's why 
Generally speaking, football teams, when they hire a head coach, they are the opposite of the guy before them for that very reason. Right. But I think I, I think Craig was too far off to the one side and neither you or I attend practice. And even if I did, I wouldn't watch practice because yeah. I, you know, I never did. And um, if, it, if it's not the head coach, you need someone in that coaching yeah. staff to be that guy. And I don't know if they have that guy on staff. Right. And, and just hearing about the lack of intensity and the focus on special teams drills and the fact that when the season was falling off the ship because of fundamental fundamental mistakes, that they just kept going, ah, maybe we need to practice less, right? Like, there's a reason good teams get better as the year goes on and look like the riders were doing that, and then just the wheels fell off. So um, I hope Craig does – I'm sure Craig will find employment as a special team coordinator because that's been the one bright spot, really, for Saskatchewan the last two years of epic collapses yep. is the special teams has at least been good. Yep. So I, I think Craig maybe has a, has a spot and – wouldn't you laugh if whoever they bring in as head coach brought Craig on as a special teams coordinator? I mean, I would be surprised. <laughs> but this uh, is the cheapest you're ever going to get him. And let's face it, there is an operations gap. I mean, it's possible. I I just don't think Craig would want to return to this market quite so fast. No. I mean, he's, he's obviously left and come back before. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up at Edmonton because he's obviously worked under Chris Jones before. So Right. Yeah, and, and he can help anybody's special teams uh, coordination, if you mm -hmm. will. So yep. wish him all the best. Good guy. Just ended up not being the right fit for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the last couple of years. Yeah, it was it was just it was just time. Um every coach kind of has their own expiry date. Um I think clearly in retrospect, I think Craig Dickinson's came last year. And uh, the organization decided not to make the move then. And this is where we get into the discussion of Jeremy O'Day retaining his job. Um, on not only, you know, sort of a short-term basis, he was given a three-year extension, yeah. which cool. I know caught a lot of people off guard. Myself included a little bit, but... I mean, Craig Reynolds kind of backed himself into a corner with that move. Um, yep. By, by the move of not removing Jeremy O'Day as general manager. Yes. Because... Um, at this point, we saw it last year, right? Like, this team was trying to hire an offensive coordinator to replace Jason Moss, and everyone under the sun pretty much said no because the two guys that were hiring him weren't under contract for this season. Right. And the, the writing was very clearly on the wall what was going to happen to at least one of them, likely Craig Dickinson, should this thing not work out, and then you'd just be right back on the street again. So well, clearly there was not a lot of options to take that job. Uh, no disrespect to Kelly Jeffrey, who I was, who I'm still impressed with as a human, and I think can be a good coach. Mm. Um, just I, I think, I think it's, it was blatantly obvious as the year went on. For whatever reason, Craig Dickinson wanted his offense a certain way because I didn't see much difference overall from this year to last year, despite the coordinator change and the quarterback change. So, to me, I feels like there was some handcuffs on there a little bit at times. Um, so that's kind of where that led, but. Because Craig Reynolds decided that he was not going to change his general manager, which he's it's his prerogative to do. I'm sure he had to pitch the board to do it, and for whatever he said, the board agreed. Yes. And so when you're in that position now, you can't sign your general manager to a one year extension. No. Two years is maybe even, you know, two plus an option, maybe, but then you're effectively in a three year deal anyway. So yeah, Reynolds pretty much backed himself into a corner where he had to hire the guy for three years rather than what I think still, and I wrote about it on three downnation.com where I still think he, he should have explored the market. I think, I think um, you look at a general manager. I know, and I know Jeremy O'Day has been with the organization as a player 
and as you know an executive for a very long time and he's been very loyal and you know the loyalty goes both ways and clearly Craig Reynolds and Jeremy O'Day are in this together till the end yes. I think that's beyond obvious at this point um but given Craig Reynolds history you go back to 2015 when they decided to fire Brennan Tam and Corey Chamberlain yes and again everything pretty much everything since then comes back to this moment and that decision Yes. Because I think if you look at it, you know, in retrospect, we know they had the you know, maybe Craig Reynolds didn't really want to fire Brendan Tamman, but he knew it was the only way he was going to get Chris Jones. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yes. Um, whether hiring Chris Jones was the right decision or not is inconsequential to this conversation right now. But it's the move they made. And he went against convention. He did not really give Brennan Tamman a second head coach. Like Tamman was in the organization for a bit, but Ken Miller was kind of always over his shoulder. And it was, there was this whole weird scenario. We never really knew who was in charge until 2012, quite frankly. Right. So uh, to me at that point, that's where the Brennan Tamman reign began. Um, so he got his one head coach in Corey Chamberlain, and then he was out the door when that went sideways. And, and he was even given a prerogative to spend all the money and win the Grey Cup in 2013. So yeah. any plans he had went out the window because it was like, here's the open wallet. Go get everybody so we could win. Mm-hmm. And I, that was, of course, under Jim Hobson. So that's a different regime, etc. Um, but then Craig Reynolds takes over in 2014. They get through that year. Then 2015, it kind of goes sideways and he cleans house. Fine. Yes. You know what? That's his, that's his prerogative to do. There's no issues there. That's fine. Um, hires Chris Jones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, gets kind of backed into a corner, of course, when they have, when Chris Jones leaves for the NFL, which was also his prerogative because mm-hmm. it's a promotion from where he was. But given the time of year that it was, they didn't really have many options. So, of course, Jeremy O'Day moves up, which I think probably would have happened eventually anyway. And Craig Dickinson moves into the head coaching role. Now Jeremy O'Day has decided to move on from Craig Dickinson. And you would think Reynolds' history suggests that, okay, this is the guy who wants to make the big splash. That's where I was thinking that Jeremy O'Day was probably going to be out the door as well. Because now, frankly, Reynolds' ass is probably on the line. He's going to swing for the fences. Instead, he just hits a solid double up the middle and keeps Jeremy O'Day on staff as the general manager. And we're all just kind of left wondering sort of what the big picture is here at this point. But, and and this is a theory I've been thinking of since the, I mean, I'll go on record here and, and say that I like them keeping Jeremy O'Day around in some capacity. I don't know how you could have pitched demotion at the guy. It's not like you could say, hey, you're going to be around and be the assistant general manager for next year. Because clearly, Jeremy O'Day can find talent. The rest of the job of the general manager, he doesn't have the success record of, uh, you know, to, to back him up to get this new three-year deal, right? So I'm wondering, and I'm kind of wondering aloud here, if this was in the cards to say, okay, Jeremy... We'll, you're going to keep your GM title. We're going to keep you around, but you're going to report to somebody. Like, and and I don't know if there's some creative way you can keep that off the off the football ops cap. But if you could go out and get another guy that Jeremy now 
reports to similar to the Ken Miller, Brendan Tamman days that, you know, almost like a, 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 an experience. Somebody has got experience with a rebuild. Like I just keep going back to Kyle Walters. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I think that's the guy everyone thought they're going to go out and get like, this felt well, like obviously Kyle Walters was not going to be the head coach, but this felt no. like Chris Jones 2.0 clean right. the house, bring this guy in and let's start new. Now, is there now again? You and I don't know because I don't think there's any way to to know. The CFL's never really released the rules on it. But if you make him, if you make Kyle Walters team president, I'm sure there's some way that stays off the football ops cap. Like it just, it seems to me like locking in Jeremy O'Day to a three year deal. It's like there's another move to be to be made. Like I don't think that Jeremy O'Day has proven at any point that he's anything better than a really good assistant GM, director of scouting. He's got an ability to find talent. The rest of the job, not so much. So I wonder, I really do wonder, especially in some of the comments that Jeremy said that, oh, I found out this morning that Craig wasn't going to be capped. It didn't seem like it was Jeremy's decision. And you'd you'd think if he was the man with the autonomy to move forward in this rebuild, that he'd be the man to make the decision on Craig Dickinson. So I wonder if there isn't another puzzle piece that can't, that can't be announced until after the, after the gray cup's been awarded. Like it just it just yeah. seems to me like because because correct me if I'm wrong but they don't have a team president or does Craig Reynolds Craig Reynolds is president and CEO right so could you not so obviously Craig is not <clears throat> counting against the football ops cap could Craig not say I'm going to continue to be CEO and bring in a team president like I'd be surprised what, if he did that but right, I, I, I suppose it's possible in theory but I I don't see it happening I I would agree but I just I think we have to wait to see to judge this move until we're really heading into next season until the gray cup's been awarded because you, to me, I don't think anybody's going to stand in Kyle Walters's way. If you said, Oh, I'm going to go leave to Saskatchewan to be the team president, which I think as best of my knowledge keeps you off the football ops cap. And there's a big name because Winnipeg's not going to have the ability to keep Walters, Danny McManus, Mike O'Shea and Buck Pierce around. Right. Yeah. And well, I mean, the writing was on the wall there last year, I think. When they re-signed everyone but Kyle. Well, that's it. So, but if you're Kyle Walters, uh, you know, it just seems like, and it seems like in the comments of going, it wasn't, that it did not appear to be Jeremy's decision to let Craig go. There was some, I saw some different interpretations of that quote. It was Brendan Gray who said it more. He like, they, and they told Craig on Monday that he wasn't coming back. Right. So, so I think there was a, the initial tweet that I saw as well, that I think I sent to you about. Yeah. That, you know, Jeremy found out this morning. I think that was just like a, a typo, basically. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Or, or, but even even in the press conference, Jeremy said the same thing. It didn't sound like it was Jeremy's decision to let, because let's face it, normally when a GM lets a coach go, it's like, yeah, this is my decision. We're going to go in a new direction. Here's our guy. And it seemed more like Jeremy going, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, so we let Craig go, but I'm still here for three years, right? Like, it's it seemed like Craig Reynolds was the one saying, hey, I've made these decisions. This is the direction of the team moving forward. So, like, this is strictly, like, tinfoil hat. We don't have uh-huh. sources on this, nor do we ever. But I think there's another move coming. And if there is, it's a brilliant game of chess by by Craig Reynolds. If there isn't, the team's going to regret this. I, I, I mean, I would be surprised. I, I agree. If there was some greater move to move someone above Jeremy, then sure. Um, I I just don't see that happening, and like I get patience, I get 
um, be loyal to a guy. I get all of that. But when you look at what, I mean, this is the team that has, since the 2019 season, has regressed every year. Yes. Um, we'll give them a bit of a pass on 21 because you miss an entire year, whatever. But unfortunately, after that, the last couple of seasons, they got even worse. Yes. And you're talking about a team that has lost 14 straight games after Labor Day. Yes. Over the last two seasons. As soon as pumpkin spice season begins, the steal one from the Piffles podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to justify that decision. And, I mean, this is a team where they are very, you know, it's a community-owned organization, and that still matters. And, you know, this isn't some guy's pocketbook at the end of the day that's getting hit. This is a, a team, a community, and the fans aren't happy. I mean, no. they announced 24 at that last game. By all accounts, it sounds like there was probably less than 50% of capacity Oof. there in that game, at least. Oof. And the weather wasn't even that bad that day. The next day it turned, but the weather that day wasn't even that bad, especially for, you know, the last game of the year in October is usually pretty miserable. Yeah. And it was relatively nice, all things considered, and the people still didn't want to show up. And, you know, as much as you don't want to let the fan base decide your decisions, I think there is more than enough evidence to decide that maybe this is not the guy to go with because I think, generally speaking, and I know Daryl Davis of the Green Zone Leader Post firmly believes that every general manager deserves to have two head coaches. Mm-hmm. And I do generally agree with that, but I think, I still think that Jeremy O'Day essentially used up his second head coach by keeping Craig Dickinson last season. And then especially by not making a move in the back half of the year, when it was clear that the wheels were coming off again to try and preserve this season rather than just letting them go quietly into the night. Uh, oh, oh, absolutely. And that's exactly what happened. They had to win one of their last seven games to miss the playoffs, to make the playoffs. In my, as far as I'm concerned, my prediction that the Calgary Stampeders are not going to make the playoffs this year is true because they were <laughs> god awful, and all the writers had to do was win one freaking football game to keep them yep. out, and they couldn't do it. So no, like, and, and, again, and again, we're talking not winning football games against. That is a bad Calgary. It's, team. it's not like they face Winnipeg and BC every week down the stretch. No, no, and <laughs> they they beat Winnipeg and BC. That's the stupid part. Like you can't beat like watching that Calgary Winnipeg game, and I get it. The intensity wasn't there. Guys were playing to be hurt. But against Winnipeg second and third stringers, Calgary still looked like dog shit. Against Saskatchewan, Calgary looked like dog shit. Like, that is not a good Calgary team. You let Hamilton beat you while they were basically playing preseason with their quarterbacks. Like, you let Toronto beat you, who was doing the same thing. Uh, Chad Kelly is hurt in the slightest way. Get him the hell out of there, right? Like, and you couldn't beat any of those teams. And to go back to the success from 2019 where – you know, I, I don't know who Cody Fajardo is as a quarterback. Um, he's somewhere in the middle of where he is between, you know, 2019 and what he is in Montreal and what he was in Saskatchewan. But 2019, that was largely Chris Jones's roster. Yep. Like, And I, I get it that, that, that Jeremy O'Day was a part of that and a good part of that. But you're giving a guy a three-year extension, and this is why I think it's going to be mis- – that's why, like, there has to be another move coming. Like, I just I, – I just – I got the gut feeling that there's another move coming. Like, because they're going to find somebody at head coach that's going to be really exciting and viable, right? Yep. You're going to get, to, to quote Shorzy, you're going to get a head coach that's going to put bums in seats. Looks like, according to our boy, Justin Dunk, talking to our other boy, Jamie Nye, on the green zone, that Scott Milanovic appears to be in the running. Mm-hmm. 
right? Or at least is the favorite. And you got another guy like Henry Burris coming out and saying, yeah, I'd like to be a part of, you know, I'd like to be the head coach. I don't think Henry Burris is head coach material. No. I think I'd love to see Henry Burris in the, in a new look organization, you know, quarterback. I, I, I think Henry Burris could be head coach one day, but he's, he's got a season a little bit and some other things first. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I, I, I think to me, you bring in Scott Milanovic, you bring in Henry Burris, you bring in, those are guys that are going to put asses in the seats because you know, you're going to get offensive football and guys with experience winning, right? I mean, both guys have spent time coaching quarterbacks in the NFL. What has been Saskatchewan's biggest problem since Darian Durant has been quarterback play, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and and that's, and that's where, you know, and I think you and I have had this discussion and I mean, absolutely no disrespect to like say a Corey Mace or any of those guys who are defensive prospects on the market for a head coach. Now is not the time for this team to hire a defensive head coach. I started covering this team in 2012 uh, they have not had anyone that is a head coach from the offense since then. It is time to make the offense the focus of this team again. That is currently where this league is going, unlike the NFL this year. Uh, the CFL is trending upward offensively. It's time to catch up and get creative and exciting on offense again, not only to compete, but to actually, even if the team's not very good next year, at least make games somewhat entertaining to watch and attend. Yes. Well, and, and let's face it. You look at the makeup of the team right now, assuming you keep everybody the guys that you'd actually keep, the guys that wouldn't get passed over Winnipeg style and expansion draft are all on offense right now. For the most part. Yeah. For the, I mean, you got a few guys on defense that, yeah, you keep around, but it, to me, there's no absolute stud. Uh, uh, you know, I think, I don't think there's a team in the league that wouldn't take Emelis right now. Keon Schaefer Baker, you know, like there's, there's a lot of really good pieces on offense, even though Jamal Morrow was severely underutilized this year. He still got a ton of talent. Like, there's so many good pieces on offense that that's that's where you should build from because that's what's gonna that's what's gonna have to win you games in the foreseeable future based on the way that this season went. And and I think you're at, you're at a point in the organization sort of evolution right now where you have Trevor Harris next year potentially, yes. and the guy said the guy has said that he didn't want that play where he destroyed his leg to be his last play, but he also did not entirely rule it out. But no. I firmly believe he'll be playing football next year in Saskatchewan. So you need you need the offensive head coach there next year to number one take advantage of having Trevor Harris and finally getting him potentially his Grey Cup ring and number two, you know as much as we like Jake Delagala and sort of the progress he made throughout this year, I think it would still be beneficial for him to be back up next year yes, for absolutely. an entire year behind Trevor Harris with say a Scott Milanovic and with an actual quarterbacks coach. Because the last time this team won a Grey Cup was the last time they actually had a dedicated quarterbacks coach. Right. And so I think if you do that, then we can actually see just what the ceiling is in Jake Delagala, and then you can make a decision on whether this is a guy worth building your franchise around going forward or not. Well, and even you look at what Milanovic has done, you know, when he left the CFL, he went down south to coach quarterbacks. Yep. Right. He went to the highest, you know, the highest league of professional football to coach quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. and Henry Burris has spent time coaching quarterbacks in the NFL. So that's why I'd like to see both those guys involved. I think it'd be a, I'd be a great hire. Our boy Dunk saying that Milanovic is the front runner. Even look what he's done in Hamilton this year. That, yeah. odd fa- that offense was dog shit until he came in and started like using the exact same personnel, just arrange the pieces different. All of a sudden, you know, they, they, they look real good here to close the season, right? So, yeah, and they ironically maybe – don't have a quarterback. They just have three guys together that kind of 
you know, three quarterbacks and a trench coat that makes it work. <laughs> he stole the line from me. I was about to go there. I'm like, now he's gonna do it. Damn it. See, I uh, can make I can make references sometimes. That's that's that's. <laughs> Uh, that's fair. I'm just here for references and terrible takes. Yeah. But yeah, like I, I think if they go down that route and I mean, if, if it's not Scott Milanovic and I don't, I mean, I don't think Jeremy O'Day can afford himself sort of a quote unquote risky hire. No. Cause he, he's going to need a name guy with, you know, the background, the credentials, the everything to warrant. Okay. This is like, I got the cream of the crop out there available this year. So that's what he needs to do, number one, to save his job and also to save Greg Reynolds' job. No question about it. The only thing I would say sort of, and I'm nitpicking a little bit, about if, say, they hire Scott Milanovic is, okay, he's won, but he hasn't won since 2012. And he hasn't really been a head coach in this league for a while. And, I mean, it's been it's been off and on. And... It's not super inspired. It's probably the safest hire on the market. It's probably the best hire on the market still. But there's still that part of me that would love to see. And this is where, if the Riders were in a scenario where they did not bring back Jeremy O'Day, where you could sort of take a longer-term approach and look at this and say, hey, this might be a year or two until we're good again, but say we're going to hire, I don't know, let's say they they did make Kyle Walters a general manager, but we're going to get a Jordan Max in the the BC Lions. Well, and and, and th- there you go, right? Now you've kind of boxed yourself into this corner where you need Milanovic because yeah. it, because I it, and the dangerous thing is with the O'Day hiring, I don't even know if people were, or the, the O'Day resigning, I should say. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if people were upset. Yeah, like, and, it, and that's, it, that's it was like a dangerous... big wave of apathy. Yeah, that's that's kind of the dangerous zone that this team is running toward right now is Okay, the last couple of years, you were lucky that the fan base was still angry. Um, I like I know when I've heard some people say, "Oh, you know, if they get off to a fast start again next year, the fans will be back." I'm like, I don't know. I think it's going to be very much a wait and see next year, and another four and two start isn't going to cut it. It's going to no. be show me after Labor Day that this team is different. Yes. Yes, and they better hope that they are different next year because after all these moves and because let's let's say they bring in Milanovic. And let's say they're dog shit again next year. And let's say they miss the playoffs again next year. Mm-hmm. Can you fire O'Day? Like, that that's who all the fingers get pointed to, is to O'Day and Craig Reynolds. And, yeah, they've really I, – I just – again, I hope there's another move. I hope for Ryder fans' sakes there's another move because if they roll with O'Day next year, I, I don't see it ending well. It's hard to say. I mean, stranger things have happened. I don't. It think, is the CFL. I, I, I don't think whatever happens next year, it's going to be O'Day's final year, unless they, you know, unless they're winless by Labor Day or something strange, and no one's injured. Um, maybe, <laughs> but I think because because of the football operations cap, I think general. I think Jeremy O'Day will be the general manager, general manager for at least another like season and a half. Yeah, and there therein lies the unfortunate thing, right? It's just it's it's such. I can't think of another time in pro sports where a team has been this consistently bad mm-hmm. that they kept that they didn't let both guys go. Yeah, like I, I can't think of another example. And like, and they were in a scenario where they could have let guy, especially this year, let both guys go and had a completely clean cap. Like literally the entire football ops. If Craig Reynolds counts or not, I don't know. But everyone else is gone. They're basically starting from scratch. 
and now they've got a general manager, theoretically their most expensive piece of that football ops cap, tied up for three years. Now, that's also what I'd like to know. And this goes back to my tinfoil hat theory. Is was it ever announced if Jeremy O'Day signed for less money, perhaps? We know hmm? I, I don't that I that information never gets out. I don't know. Right. I mean it doesn't get out until the books are released that that'll be at the end of next year where we already know the move. So it I just I, I, I just hope even though our listeners, even though our listens selfishly go way up with this team is dog shit, and even the rage that everybody felt after the Calgary loss when Greg and I took to social media and was, you know, we had way more views I've ever seen on a stream of anything I've ever done, um, that people were angry. I, just, I hope at least if next year's bad, people stay angry, but it just seems to me like we're getting dangerously close to apathy, mm-hmm. and that's going to well, be like, a... If they're bad, I just hope it's... It's a different kind of bad where you can see they're building towards something. Year one of Chris Jones. Yeah. Right. You yeah. knew they were going to be bad. Yeah. And I mean, but I mean, with Trevor Harris as their quarterback in his final year of his contract, they can't really afford to be no. that. But bigger picture long term, if you can say, okay, this team isn't great this year, but you can see it going in this direction, then I think you you're maybe not packing that place again but I think you keep the fans engaged enough at least to continue to consume content. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all you need. Get some excitement in the building. I Okay, here's what's going to happen. Kyle Walters is going to come as team president and bring Zach Kolaris, and they're going to spend $2 million on quarterbacks, and, and they're going to win next year. That's what's going to happen. 